This week's parasha is Parashas Tazria Mitzayra. And at the beginning of Parashas Tazria, the Torah speaks about a child who is born and a woman who gives birth to that child and the status uh, vis-a-vis Tumah and Tyra that the mother uh, has. I want to talk about the actual process of a baby um, as it develops inside of the mother's stomach, um, as is brought in the Gemara in Nidan, that Lamanum and Bez. This is a Gemara that's quite well known, and every line of the Gemara really has many, many applications and many drushas, and we'll speak some of them out, and we'll get, a, I think, a very important yisaid, um at the end. The Gemara says as follows, Darash Rab Simlai. Rab Simlai Darshans. What is the fetus compared to when it's in utero? It's like a folded over notebook. If you'd be able to take a like a document, a piece of paper, and keep on folding it again and again. That's how the baby appears inside of the mother's stomach. Yagav ashtei tzedav. How is it bent over? How, it's, how is it so folded? Its hands are holding its two temples. So it's sitting like this inside of the mother's stomach with its hands on, on the temples. Ushtei atzilav ashtei akuvaisav. And the armpits is basically by the knees of the of the child, <coughs> and the two, the the um, the akev, the heels of the baby, the feet of the baby are folded up on its underside, on its backside. And the head of the baby is between its knees. So it's like a completely folded over being. It's sort of like, you know, folded on top of folded on top of folded all within the mother. Upiv sasum. The mouth has to stay closed. The baby's mouth is not, it doesn't naturally have any lock on it, but yet it knows instinctively that it has to stay shut throughout the entire period of gestation. And its navel is open because the navel is where the umbilical cord feeds the child. Whatever the mother eats, that's what the child eats, that's what this fetus is eating from. And whatever the mother drinks, that's what the baby is drinking. It also knows that it has to keep all of the all of the waste products inside of it. It can't emit any waste because if it does, then it's going to kill the mother. The kivan The moment that the baby comes out of the mother, all of a sudden everything reverses itself. Whatever was shut until now, i.e. the mouth, it suddenly has to open. It knows naturally 
how to open. Nobody gave it a course in this, but it knows that now's the time to open up your mouth and to breathe. Because if the baby Rahman al-Islam doesn't breathe or it misses out a few seconds of breathing, we know that has a terrible, terrible result for the child for the rest of his life if he survives. And also, whatever was open until now, the navel suddenly shuts the moment that it comes out into the world. Shel Moe came because if not for this reverse of what it was naturally doing until this point, it wouldn't be able to stay alive even for a moment. It has to right away breathe. If it doesn't breathe, it's dead. Parenthetically, that's why in, in the bracha of Asher we have that line. That line of the bracha was borrowed from this Gemara that some say, and it's also, it's literally parenthetically, because in many um, Sidurim, etc., they always put that in brackets. Not everybody um, says that line. That is, is sort of you know, questionable because some say that it could remain, a human being, even if something was shot momentarily, you could still survive. But those that do have that gear, so it comes from this tomorrow because what it means to say is that it has to, everything has to work properly in the human body. If it doesn't, then that's very, very dangerous and it can't really exist for too long. Then the Gemara says that inside of the, of the mother, when the baby is developing, there is a light that is sort of burning constantly for those nine months over the baby. And the baby is able to see from one end of the universe to the other. He's able to see everything inside of the mother. Don't be amazed by the fact how is it possible for a child to see it because human beings could see this also, not just the fetus, but even us. We're able to have dreams and be able to see things that are happening in Spain even though we're not there. So we all, on a certain level, on a metaphysical level, we could see beyond our own Dalai So don't be so shocked by this, says the Gemara. Rab Simoy continues and he says, There is never a better period of a child's life, of a human being's life, than these months inside of the mother. A lot of times people say, those were the best years of my life. Not true. The best time of your life was when you were inside of the uterus. That's the most enjoyable, the most pleasurable time that a human being knows in this world. Umalamdin Isai, here's the famous part of the Gemara, that inside of the mother, the child is being taught, Kal HaTayra Kula. The entire Tyra is being learned inside of the mother. Shenemar, and it brings a Pasuk. The Kivan Shebal Avira Ailam. And once the child comes out into the world, Ba Malach, a Malach comes, an angel comes, this Saitra Alpiv, and gives it like a little flick on top of its mouth. 
Umeshachai kol ha-tayra And the entire tayra is instantly forgotten by the child. And then Rav Simlai, just to complete the Gemara, continues, Umayi ha-shvush, umashpinaisai, they are mashpia, this child, when he comes out into the world. They make him take a shvua. What is the shvua? Tihit tzadik, v'yal tihit rasha. They're mashpia, every single fetus. Don't mess up. Be a tzadik in life and don't be a rasha. And then they tell him this. V'afiru kalaylam kulay aymim l'chad tzadik even if everybody in the world is telling you and repeating to you over and over again, you're a tzaddik. You're an amazing person. Always consider yourself to be less than everybody is assuming that you are. And you should know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is pure. And his ministering angels are pure. And the neshama that HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed inside of you is nothing but pristine and perfect and holy. If you're able to guard that soul properly, mutav. That's very good. You should know that if you don't protect that soul, it will be taken away from you. That's the Gemara in Nida and Daflaminam and Bey is a very well known Gemara and it's important always to hazard these Gemaras to, first of all just to remember them, but also that we could be ma'ayin in them a little bit and take some very important Yusaitis out of this because we all went through this. Every single person lived through this. When we were all born, this is what we all went through, so it's important to go back to our Shirish and to realize what happened to us and what that's mechai of us going forward. There's a lot of limudim. I just want to touch on a few points from this Gemara that the Mepharshim speak about. The first thing is that when the Gemara says that when the fetus is in utero, he's able to see misayfa aylam miatsayfai, from one end of the universe until the other. So the Mepharshim say, the Yaivet specifically, the Yaivet says of Yaakov Emden, he has a pirish on the back of the Gemaris, and on Nida he writes as follows. He says, what does that mean that a person is able, a child, a baby is able to see me seifai or not seifai? It doesn't mean that he's able to know what's going on in the world, that what's going on in Afghanistan and in, in Japan and in Turkey. What it means is, his own Eilam Katan, his own life, his own world, his own universe, that's what he's able to see. So a child inside the mother's stomach, not only is he able to know the whole Torah, he's also learning his destiny. He's learning what is going to unfold for him in life. What's going to be with him? What's going to be, who is he going to marry and who is, what's his children going to look like? And how much Torah is he going to learn? And how is he going to be able to survive? What's his Parnassah going to be? Everything in his own personal universe is known to him. And he sees the entire movie, as it were, of his life play out. He's able to see his entire biography. 
I was thinking, based on this Yaivetz, that it could be that there's such a thing in the world called a deja vu. Deja vu means that it happens all the time. I have it very often. All right. you, you basically go, you're, in a, you're standing, let's say, in a, in a certain place, and you realize that, you know, this isn't the first time that I've done this. I've seen this before. This is exactly, you know, I, I've been in this circumstance, and, I, and I'm going through the same thing. I, I feel like I know that this has happened to me before. And you can't place it. I've never been here before. How do I know this? How does my mind, like, sort of come up with this, this feeling that I've been there, done that, if I haven't? And it may very well be that it's from this Gemara, from this Yaivitz, that we've all seen everything before. Whatever we have gone through in life, we've already experienced in the mother. And we've seen every single second, every frame of our life has already been shown. Now we forget it. Maybe when the Malach takes away our Tyree, takes away this also. But somewhere in the deep recesses of our mind, we've all been through everything already. Now we're just playing the role that we've already, we have the script, we just have to play it out. But we've seen everything. And so sometimes we're in a situation, all of a sudden we have like a, a flash of brilliance, and we're able to remember that we've been here before because we have. Everything that we're going through, we've already seen. And now it's just a matter of replaying what we've already known to be true. Another interesting ha'ara on this Gemara, the Rebbe of the Maril. The Maril was a Rishain. The Maril was like one of the Yisaitis, if not the major Pesach of Ashkenaz. Ashkenazic jewelry, all like, the Maril is like the touchstone of, of all Ashkenazic jewelry. He had a Rebbe. His, his Rebbe's name was the Maharashmi Neistat. And the Maharashmi Neistat writes on this Gemara a very interesting thing. He says, Children, little children, are always fascinated by fire. A lot of times you'll see children and they'll be looking at a flame and they'll be looking at a bonfire or they'll be, you know, they'll be... They like fire, children. They're, they're, every child's a little bit of a pyromania. And you like, you know, observing it, like on Hanukkah, children like stare at the menorah. They, there's something about fire that very much fascinates a child. So the Maharash Neustadt says that the reason for that is because when it sees this fire, it has like these, it, it all of a sudden becomes nostalgic because it remembers that nair that was totally al-Rashay, that for the nine months inside of the mother, there was a fire burning over the head, and that fire from that fire is able to see the entire world and learn Torah. And so he starts... When he sees every fire, he remembers fondly those days inside of his mother, and that's what attracts him to the fire. And that's why that candle that burns is reminiscent of the original candle that he saw, and it brings him happiness, because he remembers those wonderful period, that wonderful period of time in his life when he was safe and secure inside his mother's womb. And like the Gemara said, that there's no better days, there's no yam time me'elu. These are the best experiences that a person has before he's born. And so he's able to see that fire and it, he has flashbacks to that period in his life. But the main part of the Gemara that I want to talk about is, of course, 
the most famous part of the Gemara, and that is the fact that every single one of us has been taught Kala inside of our mothers. We all know the whole Torah already. We're all like, you know, as babies, we're all Vilna Gains. We're able to know everything. The Vilna Gain knew everything. The Vilna Gain was, uh, if you look in the, in, in one of his Talmidim Svarim, he writes in the Hakdama that he was invited once to a siyum that the Gra made on his Pirish on Shirashirim. And there was only a few people that were invited to the siyum. He said it was like a very, you know, it was by invitation only. And there were very few people, I think his Mechutin was there, the Gra's Mechutin, the Gra's son-in-law, and maybe a Talmud or two were invited. And the lights were out. There were candles burning in this room. It was like a very, you know, you know, it was like a, like a, like a kumzitz, I guess, that type of mood. And the Grom makes us see him and he says, I want you to know something. You thought that you were invited here to celebrate the siyam that I'm making on my Pirish and Shirashirim. Shir. And that's true. But you should know something else. He says that I'm not only being Messiah in my Pirish and Shirashirim, I'm being Messiah in Kalatayrakulai. And he says, I'm not only being Messiah in Kalatayrakulai, but I'm also being Messiah, a siyam, on all of the Chachmas of the universe. Everything. Because all the Chachmas of the universe is needed in order to really understand Tyra. You can't understand Tyra if you don't know math. You can't make a seam on Shas if you don't know math. How are you able to know what, you know, certain Sugyas in the Gemara are about Pi and certain trigonometry and all these cal- the complicated calculations? How are you supposed to know about, about Kiddush HaChedish if you don't know about about astronomy. So he was Messiah in everything. Math. And so he went through, he went through, and when he was speaking, he went through everything that he learned and everything that he knew and everything that he mastered. He says there was a few things that I wasn't able to be aiming on. He says, my father didn't allow me to study anatomy to its fullest. He knew anatomy, but not really, really, really well because my father told me that if you know anatomy and you know how to be a doctor, you know the Chachmas HaRafuah, now you're going to have to save people's lives. You won't have a hector of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And once you have to save people's lives, now you're going to have to be mevatel from Tyre every time there's a, an issue, somebody's sick. So don't learn anatomy too well. So he never mastered anatomy fully. He says philosophy he didn't have much use for, and he wasn't, but he, he basically studied a lot of that. There were, some, there were some, some things that he wasn't able to remember, but not everything in the world he knew. Music, he said, is amazing. He knew the whole Chachma of music. We think the Chachma of music is buying a, an iPad and listening. That's not the Chachma of music. Music has a lot of, you know, there's, there's all types of science involved in the patterns and the symmetry of making music. That's something that people go to school for many years. The Grob mastered that. And he said that if you'd be able to really understand the Chachma of music, you'd be able to understand a lot of the Yisaitis HaTayra that were brought down from Sinai by Moshe Rabbeinu, and you'd understand, be able to understand all the secrets involved in the Shira of the Levim. But anyway, the Gro was somebody that mastered everything. He knew Kolot HaRekulo. Erev Chaim Kanievsky, every single Erev Pesach, when he, everybody you know, scrambles to find somebody that learns something to make a siyam for, for the Tainis B'chayrim, 
Reb Chaim Kanievsky in Bnei Brak is sitting and making a siyum on Kolotar Kulay. He makes a siyum on Babli and Yerushalmi and Taisefta and Sifra and Sifri and Medrash Abba and Medrash Zuta and Halacha, Shulchan Aruch, Tur. He finishes everything, everything that we have around this, all this farm around the base Medrash. I guess at least the Rishayim and the Gemaras, etc. He makes a siyum on all of that every year. Every year, he has, every day, he does what's called his chaybis. Before he starts anything else, you know, he, he speaks to people and gives them eitzes and brachas and in and air. But before that, he doesn't start his day until he does all his chaybis. He has obligations. He has to learn seven blood a day of Babylon, how many blood a day of Yerushalmi, and this and that. He has his obli- He has to finish Kol every year. Does that mean that we do that also? The Me'imai... Is that what it means that we mamish are taught by the Malachalatarakula? So the Gra himself quotes from the Al that that's not necessarily what it means, but rather what it means is that on Harsinai, we were all at Harsinai, that we know. There were 600,000 Nishamas at Harsinai, and we all have, our Nishama was all at Harsinai. Every single person in the Shama was at Harsinai in one form or another. And at Har Sinai, every single person was given a specific chaylet in Tyra. That means that every person has a unique aspect of Tyra that's his and his alone. And when we're when we're mispalotakadishvok every day, the same chalkeinu b'sayrasecha. What does that mean? Give us our chaylet. I'm not asking for his chaylet in Tyra. I want my chaylet in Tyra because I have my own unique chaylet in Tyra. And the Malach teaches every single one of us our unique Chalik entire. Not necessarily call it Tarakula, but our Chalik entire. What we're supposed to be Machadesh in our lifetimes in learning, what was given to us uniquely. It's given to us. The Gras says that that's the Pshat, Yagati, Umatsasi, Tam, and the Gemara says in Megillah. If a person says that I was Miyageya, I schwitzed over learning. Umatsasi, and I found it, I was able to succeed. Time and you could believe him because it takes Yagiya to be Matsliach and Taira. So everybody asks, what is the Lashna Umatsasi? A Mitsiya is not something that you need Yagiya for. Yagati, I sweated over it, I really toiled over Taira. It should have said, it's Sakti, and I was successful in learning. What does it mean, Yagati Umatsasi? And I found it. A Mitsiya is not something that requires any toil. All it requires to do is you're walking down the street. You notice, like, uh, you know, something on the floor, a wallet. You bend down, you pick it up, you put it in your pocket. That's, uh, that takes toil. Why is it Yagati Matsasi? So the Gros says, because whatever we're Zaycha to in Taira is a gift from HaKadosh Baruch. We really have no Shaykhs to Taira. Our puny minds can't be massive, you know, all the Chachma, the Kedusha of Taira HaKadoshah. Elamai, if we toil... That's the tznai in order to enable HaKadosh Baruch Hu to give it to us as a gift. But it's a mitziah. It's a mitziah. It's something we just find. But it's not something that we... Our toil is just a tznai in order to get it. But it's not what earns it for us. It's a tznai to receive it, but really it's given to us as a matana, as a mitziah. And that mitziah, what we're really doing is, when we learn Torah, we're mechadish something in learning... 
It's really the Mitziah's finding what we had lost when the Malach took it away from us. This is how the Graal learns it. So we all have our own unique Chalik in Tyra. The Malach teaches that to us. And we spend the rest of our life trying to learn Tyra to the best of our abilities in order to recapture and retrieve the lost Tyra that is ours alone. That's the way the Graal explains this Gemara, Pidi Alshuk. Agav, there's an interesting um, word that everybody says, you know, by Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov and Esav were in the mother's stomach, in Rivka's stomach, and by Yisrael, Saban, and Bekirba, they were all like, they were trying to get out. They kept on struggling to get out. And all the Mepharshim asked, they saw from the Menachem, from the Gerebbe, what was, was, I understand Esav wanted to get out to do Abed What's Yaakov running to get out for? Yaakov is learning with a Malach. He has the best Rebbe in the world. A Malach is teaching him Tyra. His Tyra is Halak and Tyra. Why is he scrambling to get out? Where is his rush? These are the best days of your life inside the mother. Why is he by his rights? Where is he going? So there's two Terutsim that are given, that the Velt gives. The first Terutz is that even if you have the best Rebbe in the world, but if you're a roommate of Esav or a roommate of Esav, then it's all, it's worthless. That's not a good yeshiva for you. You can have the best Rebbeim sometimes in the world, but, you know, if you're not with a good Chabrusa, you're not with a good roommate, you're not with a good Chabra, it's not a good place for you to be. You gotta get out. So, Yaakov Avinu says, listen, it's great in here, I'm learning from Amal, but look who I'm with. It's a bad Ashram, you see, he was scrambling to get out. Another chat that the Velt gives is that even though it's true that it's kishmat to learn inside the mother's stomach from a malach, but the real Torah, the way that Torah was really designed to be learned, is not from a malach, not from a from a you know from a malach and shemayim leva shemayimi. The Torah is designed to be given over with a Messiah, from a father to a child, from a rebbe to a talmud. Yaakovino, as much as he may have appreciated learning with the Malach, he was dying to get out so he could learn from Yitzchak Avino, from Shem Be'eder. He wanted a Messiah and Tyra from a real physical manifestation as is given over me, Darladar. That's the real way of learning Tyra, from a Rebbe, a flesh and blood Rebbe. The Rebbe has to be Daniel Malach Hashem Tzavakis. But it has to be from a physical being. That's who we're supposed to be Makabalar Tyra from. This Yagiyah, that we spend our lives toiling to recapture the Taira, our Chalik in Taira, is something that's very important to, to do. Every single person, and this is a very hard thing for us to understand, but every single person potentially has amazing Chidushe Taira to share with the world. Now, some of us in life got a, head, got a little bit of a late start, and so we throw up our hands, or maybe we felt that we don't have the kishrin to do that, we're not talented. The other people, they could write svarim, they could be mechadish, they can give chaburis and shiurim and write kiddush but not me. 
And that's not true. Every single person has a unique chilek in Tyre that's his, and it's his job in life to unearth those chidushet Tyre, and to retrieve those chidushet Tyre, and to dig them up from the recesses of his mind through the Yegiyas HaTayra. And everybody's expected to write Chidushet Taira. The Sefer Chassidim says that if somebody is Mechadish Chidushet Taira and he doesn't write them down, he doesn't publish them, it's Bechlau Gezel Durabim, I think is his Lashem. It's Gezel. You have an obligation to write, to be Mechadish, and eventually to publish. You have to spread your Taira to the world. You can't hoard your Taira. You have a lot to share with the world. Your chilek in Torah has to be given over. Not yet. You shouldn't publish it when you're too young. You have to edit it and go over it many times. And when you're older you, and you mature and you realize that this is good and this is not good, then you can put it out. But a person has to buy a good notebook or many notebooks and fill them up with his own chidushe Torah. And if you think that's a ridiculous thing to say... There's a well-known story of the Nitziv. The Nitziv, when he was a young boy, he was unruly, he wasn't interested in learning, he didn't have such a geschmack in learning. And so basically, his parents saw what was going on with him, and they had a conversation late one night, and they didn't know that their little son, Naftal Tzvi Yehuda, was listening in to this conversation. And the parents were talking, and they said, listen, you know, Naftal Tzvi Yehuda, he's a good boy, but... He's not going to amount to anything in learning. See, he's not interested. He has no geschmack. He has no zitzvah. He's not going to be anything. So what I propose, says his father, is let's send him. He'll learn a little bit every day. And then we're going to send him like to a trade school. He'll become a carpenter. And he'll make a nice parnas. He'll be a good balabas. And he'll learn a little bit at night. But he's going to be able to be a good, a good carpenter. And the Nitziv, the little Nitziv, was listening, and he couldn't believe his parents were saying this, that his parents were already like writing him off as not ever becoming anything and learning, and he runs into his father's arms, and he says, Tati, I'm going to change. I'm going to give me another chance. Let me show that I could be something in learning. And he became tremendous in learning. Day by day, he was growing by leaps and bounds with his Yagiyah, with his Amelos, the Nitziv was famous for his Amelos. There's a, a famous story about um, how he was once sitting in the sukkah and he was having a discussion with his grandson through marriage, Reb Chaim. And um, Reb Chaim Salavechik was married to the Nitziv's granddaughter and, the, um, and Reb Chaim... Uh, held a certain way because I think they were talking about an esrog and they were getting into a discussion about it and then they left it like with a tzarachian. At 4.30 in the morning the Nitziv was he came up with a, with a, with a riot of something that he was saying and he, he called over like a, somebody that was around and he said to go and get Reb Chaim and you know, bring him to the sukkah. The Nitziv was already an old man by then. And when Reb Chaim was awoken at 4.30 in the morning, he got very scared. He thought that something happened to the Nitziv or he was in frail health or something. And he runs together with his sons. He woke up his sons. He, they ran to the Nitziv, to the sukkah. And he says, what, where's the fire? What happened? What's wrong? 
So I came up with the issue of, of my of the kasha that we were working on, and there was like a, a whole table in the sukkah piled high with farm in front of the nitziv. So Reb Chaim says to nitziv, oh, "Okay, very good." He says, "Let me just go wash nagel and make a birchas atayra, and then we'll uh, then we'll talk and learn it." And the nitziv looks at him and starts crying. He says. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever imagine that I would have a grandson that at 4.30 in the morning he still didn't make a birchas atayr yet. That was the hasmada of Nitziv. And he kept on like repeating that over and over again, Nitziv. Like he couldn't get over that and he was like getting like apoplectic. He was like so upset by the fact that Reb Chaim didn't make them... Reb Chaim was also a big master. Don't get any funny ideas. But relative to the Nitziv, he, you know... He, he wasn't. And Reb Chaim, like, with his grand, he just, like, he motioned to his sons, like, let's, let's slowly, like, back out of the sukkah, and let's, you know, we don't want to upset the Zayda too much anymore. But the Nitziv became a Masmid Atzman with his Hasmada, with his Yigiyah, he became the Nitziv. And he told this story over when he was making a Siyam on the Hamik Shaila. He wrote a, fa- a famous commentary on the Sheiltis. And on the Shiltis, Shiltis is a very, very difficult safer from Rebachaygain, and he really opened it up. He made an amazing commentary, and this is in addition to his commentary on Chumash called Amit Dover, and on Mareme Sada, which is his Chidushim on Shas. And the Nitziv said by the Siyam of, of the Hamik Shaili, says, you know, this isn't just Thomas Siyam that I'm making, that I'm being Messiah in this, this great commentary. It's a siyam because it's a schus that I have now when I go up to Shemayim. Can you imagine what I would have gone through? I would go up there, let's say I had not heard that conversation. Let's say I wouldn't have ran into my father's arms and I would have gone through the motions of, of going to become a carpenter. I would never have been able to realize my full potential. And I would have come up to Shemayim they're going to say, No, show us your chalik and taira. Show us your svarim. Where is the svarim that you were that you produced in life? Is it svarim? It says I could show you if you want my. You know I have like a, a brochure, a catalog of my shtenders that I could have built, my svarim shanks, my my tables, my arinakaydesh. That I, I was a carpenter. What do you want from me? No, 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 no. You were supposed to write a safer on the shiltis. He says on the what? On the shiltis erachaygain. And on Ahamik Dover on Chumash that the whole world is going to be talking about. And Chidushim on Shas. He says, what are you talking I was a carpenter. You have the wrong guy. He's like looking around like, are you talking to me? And he says, now that Baruch Hashem, I was Zaycha to unearth my Chelek in Taira. And I'm able to go up to Shemaim and say, here are my Svarim, here are my Chidushim Taira. It says, now I'm able to be at, be at peace with myself because I was able to realize my fullest potential. This is the chalik entire that we all have and we all have to figure out a way to be mechadish that tire and bring that tire to the world. You know, when you're young, you can still have that dream when you get older, and I gave this shear on Wednesday nights, I give a shear to a Balabatim, an alumni, and 
and I'm sitting around, sitting around the table where my shir is, there was an 85-year-old man, and there was a, like a, a, a doctor in his 60s, and, or his 50s, and, and, you know, an accountant, or a, in his, in different people sitting around the table, already in midlife. And I'm giving this shear, and I see that they're, they're looking like, what are you talking, this is not a shear that's negated to us. What are you like, you're, you're making us feel bad. And I said that, there are, I get every new Masechta, I'm on the, I'm on the Safyemi Magid Shir mailing list for the Agudas Yisrael. And every new Masechta that comes out, they send it to Yeshiva and, and it, it arrives in my office. It's a safer from a, a Balabas. And I know this Balabas well because I went to Yeshiva with his son and I grew up not far from his house. He's a regular Balabas. He's a lawyer by trade. He started going later in life, I think, to Rabbi Victor Miller Shirim and, and Rabbi Pam Shirim. And he got a Chabrusa and they were learning together. And he started writing down Chidushim that he had on the Parsha, Chidushim that he had on the Agadis of Shas, that's what he keeps sending in the mail. And beautiful Sarim, beautiful Sarim, some of them are translated into English. Just because you're working. This is not a shear that everybody has to, you know, stop whatever their plans are and, you know, and just learn all day and become the nitziv. If you could do that, that's great. But not all, all of us can do it. Very few of us are likely to do that. But no matter what you do in life, whether you stay in learning, whether or whether you're a doctor, or whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a psychologist, whether you're a businessman, there are svarim that you could write. There's Taira that you could be Mechadish. And you should never ever underestimate your power to bring back that Taira that you learned in your mother's stomach. It's in you. It's not something you have to do. It's like It's like you have to like become Albert Einstein. All of us have what we have inside of us. All the Svarim that we're supposed to write, it's all the Chidushim are somehow like the Pincus that the Gemara says is couple It's folded up. And that's how the baby is. All folded up inside the mother. That's how that pinkus is the Chidushet Taira that's inside of us. It just needs to be unfolded. You have to have a little yagiya, a little toil and learning. You have to have zitzvah to sit and learn. You have to get yourself a good chavrusa. You have to learn bi'iyam. You have to chazer. You have to do all the things that are necessary. But you should know that each and every one of you could be very great in learning and could and should aspire to becoming great Marbitse Taira. Each in your own right. And in a That, in a way, this Gemara could really be a metaphor for the days of being in Yeshiva. You know, these are days that we're sort of developing. Just like a baby, like a fetus develops in utero, a Yeshiva Bakr is developing inside of the Yeshiva. And like... A fetus, these are the, the best days of his life. That's how the Gemara describes the, those months inside of the mother. Not really in this world, not in the world of inside another person, but in this world, 
the best years of your life, the best time of your life are these years that you're in yeshiva. This period of life is amazing. Whatever the mother, like a baby, eats, the baby eats. Whatever the mother drinks, the baby drinks. In yeshiva, whatever, all your food is provided for you. Your food, your drink, your shelter, your shade, the tire of the malach. It's sort of a simulation, if you think about it in a certain way. Yeshiva is a simulation of that period inside a mother. It's the most amazing time of your life. It's years that you'll be nostalgic about forever. Forever. My father, Ola Shalom, grew up, he was born in Germany, in Würzburg, but he, his family escaped, luckily, to Denmark, where his mother's side of the family was from. And that saved their life, and then when the Nazis came eventually to Denmark, then they went across the canal from Denmark to Sweden on those famous fishing boats you may have seen in a museum or so. And they stayed in Sweden until the end of the war. They came back to Denmark. And my parents realized that that wasn't a good place for their children to be. Denmark was a very, you know, there was no Tyra there per se. There was very, very little. There were no formal yeshivas. Everything that was taught to my father was taught by tutors. And... They realized they had the, the wisdom to send him to America, him and his older brother. And he went to Ner Yisrael in Baltimore. And, you know, he was uh, sort of a foreigner. You know, I have a lot of Achmanis sometimes on guys in Yeshiva that come here from, from Europe. And I try to be Makari with them extra because I realized that that's how my father must have felt when he came to America, you know, as a stranger in a you know, from as a foreigner, not really knowing the language so well, and they were makar of him, and they took care of him, and the rest of his life, the rest of his life, the 65 years or so after he went to Yisrael, he always spoke about those few years that he was there, like, so glowingly, like, he got so much from that, so much Tyra and Yerushalayim and Ashkafa, and everything that he had, he was like, gnashing from that period of gestation forever. These are the years for you that hopefully you'll be looking back on later and saying, wow, those were amazing times. I had a great chavra and great rabbeim and, and, and we learned so well and it was a good, wholesome experience. And then you leave yeshiva. It's inevitable. Some people leave yeshiva right after graduation some people get to stay a couple of years. Some people stay more than a couple of years. But there comes a point for many people that they have to leave yeshiva. And they have to go out into the quote-unquote real world. And at that point, in a sense, they feel that the malach has given them a clap. And sort of, you forgot the tyra in a sense. And that obligation... And that Achrayas to Tyra and to Davening and to Yerushalayim to being a Ben Tyra, sort of, it's a tour. I'm out. I'm Yatzelav Yerayelam. I'm now in the real world that we play by uh, different rules. And I don't have to really necessarily keep that Tyra of the Yeshiva. I could be different. But it's important for a person to always work 
on staying a Ben Tyro. No matter what you do in life, no matter what happens, no matter what you're going for, what your career is, what you're, where you're going to be living, you always have to try to recreate the years that you were in yeshiva. You have to get a Rebbe, wherever you are. You have to get a Rebbe that's Daima Ramalach Hashem Tzavakes. That's what the Gemara says, and Daima Rav Ramalach Hashem Tzavakes Yivakesh You have to find a Rebbe wherever you are, even after you're in Yeshiva. After you leave Yeshiva, you have to find a Rebbe that's Daima Ramalach Hashem Tzavakes, and that you admire and that you look up to. And then, you could work on continuing your Steigen, continuing your Amelos, your Yagiya, until you're able to actualize and realize your full potential in learning. And so when we call up to Shemaim, we'll be able to say, this is what I accomplished, this is what I produced in learning. And by the way, Chidushet Torah, according to the Nitziv, the Nitziv himself says, that Chidush, when we talk about Chidush Torah, and you say, well, you know, I'm not that creative. Chidush Torah, you have to be like very brilliant, very creative. Those people can write Svarim and write Chidushim and, you know, say, say new novel ideas in Torah. I don't have that ability. I'm not that good at that stuff. The Nitziv says that the definition, the truest definition of Chidush Torah is not, you know, being able to write a Shagasarye. The real definition of Chidush Torah is learning and chazering, and chazering again and again until you have a new clarity in the sugya. That's the biggest chiddush. When you really fully have the, the sugya clear. Sometimes, you know, we learn and we do it quickly, we make a quick lane and we go to shir and we think we have it. We don't really have it. It has to be crystal clear. Learning has to be really clear. And when it's murky and when it's foggy, that's not really the best way of learning. Unfortunately, that's the easiest way of learning, and that's the way we sort of, you know, we're, 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 we, we accept that as being good. And it is good. But it's not really good enough. And the more you learn and you chaz and you get it clear, and when the whole sugya suddenly, you know, snaps into place, and you understand what the Gemara is saying, what the Rishayim are saying, and how they're arguing, and the Achreinim, and you have that clarity, you're able to see, like a bird's eye view, clearly of what's going on, that's Chidush says the Nitzim. That's the ultimate form of Chidush When suddenly you have the new feeling like, wow, I got it. That's something that should never stop. That's something we should all work on. That's what I think is the lesson that this Gemara is teaching us. That those are the best days of your life. And the days of Yeshiva are the best days of your life. And we have to work our entire lives Never be complacent, never lie dormant, never allow ourselves to rest on our laurels and say, well, you know, let's just move on. Every person has a chalik and tira, and you have an obligation to that chalik and tira to capture it again, and to bring it out, and to develop it. And that happens with Yagiyah. Now, Yagiyah to us is something that we don't like to do, because we're... We're pampered and we're a little spoiled and we like things easy. We like sitting on a couch, you know, and, you know, just, you know, with a remote control. That's like already an effort for us. But to sit in horror and learning is very difficult. We don't like that. I'll just end with a story that Rav Hutner was once sitting together with Rav Aaron Cutler. 
Rav Aaron Kotler, they were both geniuses. Rav, Rav Aaron Kotler was Mamish, a genius of genius. Rav Aaron Kotler had a lightning fast mind. The most brilliant of minds. And Rav Hutner was telling him the following story that there was a certain yid that was proposed for his daughter, Shidduch, in Europe. And the boy that was proposed, the way it was proposed to the father of the girl, was that he's a very big masmid, very good boy, but his kishrin is a little lacking. He doesn't have, he's not a brilliant person, but he's, he's a big masmid. He tries. And they weren't sure whether or not they should do the shidduch. You know, they, everybody wanted like a brilliant boy, not just the masmid. So they went to Rabbi Yeshua Leib Diskin. And they asked the Shiloh to him, and Rabbi Yeshua Leib told him that you should do the shidduch. And he said that that's the pshat in the Mishnah that says that if a person learns from poverty, in the end he's going to learn he says it's not just going on physics, it's not going on, on material wealth, it's going on mental wealth. If you start learning and you feel impoverished, says you should know that in the end you're going to be very wealthy. Your brain can actually expand with Yagiya. You can become brilliant. Not like other sciences, Lahabdil, other things, you know, if I'm not good at math, I could study math the rest of my life, I'm never going to be an Albert Einstein. But when it comes to Tyre, you could really be a genius in learning if you just work hard enough. That's the way Tyre is. And so Vishulib says, do the Shidduch. And they did the Shidduch with this boy. And Ravutnu says that that boy, that boy ended up being a very famous Tamil Chacham. So famous, I have to find it on the card. His name is Rav Yasef Zundel. He was the Robin Aishashak. There's a city in Europe called Aishashak. The mother of the house of Aishashak was Rav Yasef Zundel. And he was, he was the person who was at one point not a genius. He became a guy. This is a story that Rav Hutner told Rav Aaron Cutler. When Rav Aaron Cutler heard this story, he ran out of the room. And Rav Hutner didn't know if he maybe wasn't feeling well or maybe he hurt his feelings or something, so he ran after him. And he found Rav Aaron Cutler in another room in the building and he was crying. And Rav Hutner said, what did I say wrong? He says, you don't understand. He says, for that Aisha I was never Zeichah to. That wealth I was never Zeichah to earn on my own. I was born wealthy. Rav Hutner said that Rav Aaron was born a genius. And he was never Zaycha, he was Miyagei and Tairatis, but he never, he never had that ability to work on himself so hard that he was able to turn poverty into wealth because he was always wealthy in that regard. And that bothered him so that it brought him to tears. If you feel impoverished in learning, you should know, we should know, that it's a schus. It's a schus for us to be impoverished. It's a challenge that certain people would die to have that challenge. Don't throw in the towel because you're not naturally gifted. Understand that that's your challenge in life and transcend it. And then when you learn and you shtayeg, you'll be amazed at what you're able to accomplish. I always say over this story, I normally have the, the, the visual aid for it, but I gave the safer away. 
there was a bacher in yeshiva that came to yeshiva about, I would say about 11, 12 years ago. He was an amazingly good boy, but he didn't have any background in learning. I think he went to public school, he went to Israel a little bit, to, to a, a certain you know, elementary type of yeshiva. He came to Landers, and he came to everything. He was like the dream Talmud. You know, when you dream about a Talmud, it was him. He was like, you know, I didn't give a daf, I don't think, when he was here, but he was, if I would have, he would have come. And, and after davening, every vadi came to, every shmuzi came to, every shir he went to, every shir quali, Shabbos, Yantiv, Yom Kippur, he was always here, he was always like the first one here, sitting, like, lapping everything up. He was so thirsty for Tyra. But he was very big, his skills were so weak. And no one thought that he would, you know, that much would become from him in terms of learning, in terms of and after a few years here, he got married. I went to his chasnos in, in Canada. And then eventually left yeshiva. I'll just give you a, just a musag of who this boy is. He came to me the second year that he was in yeshiva, and it was during Elul. And he said to me, Rabbi, he says, you keep talking about doing tshuva, tshuva, tshuva. He says, beautiful. He says, but... He says, I have to ask you, and this wasn't, he wasn't coming to Echtaiva, he was talking Emesit. He says, Rabbi, let's say a whole year goes by, and you have nothing to do tshuva for. I said, what do you mean? He says, I never had a better year in my life. He says, a perfect year. I learned, and I davened. I don't remember doing many Averis, if any. I mean, this, I, I, Mamash, I literally had tears rolling down my, my cheeks. To hear at Sadiq, he wasn't saying it bragging. I know the difference between when people are bragging when people are meaning it emesic. Anyway, this is just the, the caliber of boy that he was. He went after he got married to Israel. And I, I think I bumped into him once when I was walking through Meisharim. And I really didn't speak to him much. And all of a sudden, one day, a couple of years ago, I get in the mail like a heavy safer. Like a heavy package, I opened up, I thought it was the guy sending, the Balabas sending the, the Svarim on the Dafyami, you know, list, but I wasn't learning Dafyami back then, so I couldn't have gotten it. So, he said, I get a safer from him, and I open it up, I saw, you know, and I open up the, 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 the Shah blot of the safer, and it's from this, this Bacher, from this Talmud. And it was a safer, it wasn't like a, a safer, like, you know, on, you know, uh, you know, on the lumbus of the Aleph Bays. It was, it was a safer jam-packed with Chidushe Taira on the hardest sugyas in Shas, on Yeridea, on Isr And then he sent me another safer, same size, on Hilcha Shabbos. I don't have these farm anymore because every time a buffer comes to me depressed and saying that I can't do it, I give him a safer from this guy with the inscriptions and all. So I don't have any farm of his left. Now, if he, it could happen to him, I promise you it could happen to everyone in this room. I promise you. Don't ever think for a second that I can't do it, that I'm not capable. You are all overqualified to do it. You all have it in you. You have all those tradition, they're all folded up on a piece of paper inside of you. Your job in life is to try to be miagea enough with your shvachakop. Not with your brilliance, with your shvachakop.
to develop yourself and myself in order to be able to unleash the Torah that's dying to get out, and that's percolating within. We could all do it. We could all do it. If he could do it, we could all do it. All we have to do is really sit down and start learning. And when we sit down and start learning with a seriousness, with an earnestness, with an innocence, and with a passion, and we do it consistently, if not a whole day, a half a day, if not a half a day, an hour a day. But when, when we're learning, we're learning. And we're learning bi'iyan. And we're learning with amelos, with an avasatayah, with a yerushamayim. When we're doing all the right things, HaKadosh Baruch will give us the siyat bishmai to succeed. In the Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeicha to nachas from ourselves, from our neshama, from our talmidim, from our talmidim, talmidim. In the Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeicha to go for, further in the Zman and in our life and to unfold the great potential that we all have. Have a good chance.